for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright, shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Of course, powered by Overtime Media, this is senior writer Jay Kokorowski. With me right next to me in a live edition or a recorded together edition rather than our fancy internet studio, the Vivid Seats studio, we got John McNamara, editor and recruiting analyst, and we are in an undisclosed location in the Milwaukee metropolitan area, but the I will tease it that the burgers were absolutely delicious. Thank you again, John. But it is game week, 11 a.m. Once again, Wisconsin Badgers now number eight in the AP poll taking on the Northwestern Wildcats in a key Big Ten West divisional showdown. And once again, another game for Wisconsin to really, John, set the tone and start off their conference season on the right foot. Right. And, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, Wisconsin potentially having a special season. And, and, you know, obviously games against Michigan are huge, but so are games against Northwestern, um, you know, that follow huge games like this. And, um, you know, obviously Northwestern's off to, uh, you know, a rough start. But, you know, that's a team that's been a thorn in Wisconsin's side for, you know, 10 or 15 years or so. Um, so, I mean, these are the games you have to take business, you know, you have to take care of business of. And I think a lot of people have started to look ahead to Ohio State and, you know, you kind of look at how the schedule lays out. But, um, you know, Northwestern's a dangerous team coming into Camp Randall. And I think Wisconsin needs to get out to a good start uh, in order to take it, take care of business against the Wildcats. Absolutely. And just, folks, if you're going to the game, of course, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. Of course, first-time customers only. Now, we'll talk about the keys to the game. You'll hear from Louis Vacair from Wildcat Report, our rivals' cousins that cover Northwestern Athletics, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll also, you'll hear from Cormac Sampson, the now tight end for the Wisconsin Badgers. If you guys saw the BadgerBlitz.com article we wrote about him earlier this week, Joe Rudolph confirmed he is a tight end for at least now uh, with the injuries at that position group. So you hear from both Louie and Cormac in just a bit, along with our keys to the game. But first, of course, being part of the Rivals community, we're talking about the recruiting aspect of this weekend. Football, basketball, some key basketball recruits, if I'm not mistaken. John, who's all coming in to Camp Randall Stadium and to Madison? Yeah, you know, Camp Randall's going to be the, the location, but it, this is going to be a big basketball weekend. Um, I, I should say it's going to be a huge basketball weekend for, for Greg Gardner's staff. Um, you know, Matthew Moores, I think, is the headliner, a guy that they've been on uh, since the very start. You know, he was on campus most recently for Wisconsin's team camp, uh, and I got a chance to see him there. He was on campus the, the previous summer for, for Wisconsin's advanced camp. So um, Wisconsin's done an excellent, excellent job in his recruitment. Uh, Joe Krabenhoff um, obviously has the connection to South Dakota there, and he's been in contact with, with Matthew Moores and his family for, for a very good amount of time. Um, I guess I posted this on the Badgers then. I would be more surprised if Matthew Moores left uncommitted than I would be if he committed during his official visit this weekend. I, I just think that the way things are lining up, the way his recruitment has gone, and, and the job that Wisconsin has done with him 
Uh, really from the very start, I, th- I think that he commits to Wisconsin this weekend and he would be an, an excellent get. Um, you know, a guy that's played varsity since his freshman year, he's put up monster numbers at his high school. Um, I think he's going to be a really, really good four-year college player, uh, you know, at, at whatever school he winds up at. But again, I, I do think that he commits to Wisconsin this weekend. He has given no indication that he's planning on doing it. He has given no indication of any favorites in his recruitment. Um, but just, just the way things are going, just kind of trying to read the tea leaves there. Um, I, I do think Morris commits to Wisconsin this weekend, but we will have to see how his official visit goes. Anybody else on the football side of things that you've seen that, you know, who could make their way to Madison, part of what, you know, to take in the game? Obviously, it's not going to be as big as what we saw against Michigan and that kind of big recruiting weekend. But anybody else from the football side that you that you think will show up? You know, that's um, – I would expect a lot of the committed guys, you know, you've seen them on campus for all of Wisconsin's home games. We don't have any official visitors that we know of just yet, uh, you know, heading into the weekend. Um, I don't think that will change. You know, I would imagine you'll see some of those, you know, 2021 guys pop up on campus uh, and even maybe some guys in the 2022 class. But, um, you know, really, like I said, this weekend's about basketball. Uh, we talked about Moore's. Uh, Chucky Hepburn will be up this weekend as well. Uh, the point guard from Nebraska, Wisconsin, offered him this summer. And, uh, you know, they've been a big player in his recruitment ever since. And then Logan Duncan, uh, a big man from Ohio, is going to be on campus as well. This will be his second visit as well to Wisconsin. So, um, you know, Hepburn is a guy uh, that Wisconsin's clearly kind of made is, is maybe their top point guard priority in this class. And, you know, you look at the other schools involved in his recruitment, Creighton, Nebraska, obviously being the in-state kid and a few others. Um, I, you know, he's not a kid that I expect to, to commit, but, you know, he's close with Matthew Moores. There's a relationship there. Um, and then, you know, sometimes recruiting kind of happens in the, in these, in these kind of sweeps and these, uh, you know, when momentum is going, you, you see stuff kind of snowball. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if a guy like Hepburn popped, um, you know, being around Matthew Moore's all weekend and the opportunity for them to, to play together at the next level. But I think Moore's is far more realistic, but again, you just, you just never know when you get a guy on campus for an official visit. And then Duncan is a guy that they've had on campus before. Um, this will be his second visit um, that I know of. Um, so, you know, he's been on campus at least two times. You know, really good big man um, from Ohio. Um, you know, he, Wisconsin would obviously love to pair him with Chris Hodges in that 2021 class where they have a lot of scholarships available. Let's talk more about the Northwestern Wildcats. Let's go to that conversation I had earlier on Thursday with Louis Vacare the editor, publisher of Wildcat Report from the Rivals community. He talks about Hunter Johnson, just what to expect out of Pat Fitzgerald's squad as they go into Camp Randall Stadium. Of course, the Wisconsin Badgers hope to tame the Wildcats on Saturday. So here is my conversation with Louie on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. From our Rivals cousins at Wildcat Report, we have Louis Vacare. Louie, man. Northwestern, one and two. I know they're starting off Big Ten play with 0-1 record after a loss at home against now number 25 Michigan State, but what are the general impressions of Northwestern through three games? Is it as bad as it seems from the stat sheet? Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say Northwestern's been a disappointment. I mean, I wouldn't look at that one and two record you know, that's their two losses are to Stanford and Michigan State. And 
those aren't elite teams, but you know, the, losing to them is, uh, you know, nothing to be ashamed of, but it's more about the way they look than those losses. You know, the, the offense is really struggling, particularly the passing offense and, you know, Hunter Johnson, the big, the former five-star recruit and a guy, you know, transferred from Clemson and expectations were really high, whether they're realistic or not. Um, and he's been uh, subpar so far, you know, he's really struggled and, they're not getting a whole lot out of the passing game. And that, that's really been their Achilles heel. You know, they're running the ball pretty well. They play defense pretty well. Um, they had a kind of a rough stretch against the Spartans on Saturday. But, uh, you know, they've got some pieces. But without that passing game, they've got no threat in the passing game. They've The offense looks, uh, you know, pretty feeble. And they rank, you know, you, you look at their rankings on offense and uh, – they're, I'm looking at, uh, you know, they're 121st in the nation in total offense, 123rd in passing, 103rd in passing efficiency, which is dead last in the country, and 128th in scoring. And, you know, you, you're just not going to win a whole lot of ball games uh, putting up numbers like that. I was going to say, you know, going to looking at Hunter Johnson, and uh, you mentioned former five-star recruit according to the rivals, signed with Clemson, transferred to Northwestern, sat out last year due to NCAA rules. What has led to him completing 48% of his passes, throwing four interceptions? Is it the the receiving targets? Is it him not picking up the offense? In your opinion, what has led to his struggles early on? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors. It's not just one thing. I think for him, uh, if, you, if you look at Hunter, I think it's more getting familiar with the offense. Um, I think he's still learning it. And, you know, the thing we got to keep in mind is that uh, – you know, he began this season, he hadn't played in two years and he only played a little bit in mop-up duty as a freshman at Clemson. So, you know, he's really kind of a red shirt freshman and this is his second year in the offense, but he actually ran the scout team last year in practice. So, you know, he got more reps, uh, you know, running the Wisconsin offense or the Michigan offense or whoever they're playing rather than Northwestern's last year. So, you know, he, he is still in his training wheels phase. I, I talked to Mick McCall, offensive coordinator. Um, it was after the Stanford game, and he said he thought that uh, Hunter Johnson was not trusting himself enough. You know, he wasn't reading and reacting. He was kind of overthinking things, and that certainly looks like it's still the case. You know, he looks indecisive. He looks kind of overwhelmed at times. He, he's inaccurate with some little throws. And then every once in a while, he'll show flashes of a, you know, he had a 50 yard touchdown against UNLV. That was a beautiful throw. And he's had a couple others that were dropped, you know, his wide receivers, they, they've dropped a few balls and they've had problems getting separation. And there's a lot of times the protection hasn't been great and he's had to run around back there. So it's a variety of factors, but for him, I think it's learning the offense. It's trusting his reads, being decisive and making the throw. He's not processing things quick enough and making decisions. Looking at the positives, you talked about a little bit about the rushing game. What has redshirt freshman running back Drake Anderson done? He's averaged five point, you know, over five yards per carry, about 237 yards, couple of scores on the ground. What has he done so well that makes him a threat in that running game? Yeah, Drake Anderson has really been a, a heck of an addition to the offense. You know, he uh, Isaiah Bowser is still the starter. You know, he's more of the power back. He's a 216 pounder. He likes to square his shoulders, hit the hole hard, 
where Anderson's a, a quick guy. Um, he's got some speed. He, he's like a one-cut dynamic kind of an elusive back. And I think together they could give, give uh, Northwestern a nice thunder and lightning sort of thing. Um, but, you know, Drake Anderson really had a coming out against uh, UNLV, ran for 141 yards when Bowser was out. Uh, Bowser was back last week, but they still went to Anderson uh, quite a bit, especially late in the game. And he, he ended up with 91 yards. So he's been very productive. And I think he gives that offense a little bit more of a dynamic look. You know, he's got some speed. He can uh, rip off some big chunks. And I think, um, you know, they, they really found something there. They even, you know, with Bowser, I think we're going to continue to see a lot of uh, Drake Anderson getting some carries and things like that because he offers a good balance, a nice counter to uh, Bowser's power running game. We're here with Louis Vacare from Wildcat Report, our rivals, cousins that cover Northwestern football. Louis, look on the flip side, talk about Joe Gaziano. What makes him such a force and what has he done this season that has popped out to you? Yeah, Joe Gaziano is really, uh, he's a heck of a leader on that team. And um, he's really, you know, up front. Northwestern strength is their front seven and it all starts up front. And, and Gaziano is one of those rare players. You know, he's, he's 280 pounds or so, and he's, he's big enough to anchor the edge against the run. You know, he's, a, he's an excellent run defender he's he's a stout edge out there and then he's also fast enough and athletic enough to get after the quarterback you know he he makes plays all over the field for him you know against UNLV he had uh, he, he won the defensive player of the week award he had nine tackles he had two and a half uh, tackles for loss he had a sack and a half he forced the fumble he recovered a fumble the guy really stuffed the stat sheet and that's really what he can do for you. You know, he's a, uh, he's a guy that uh, could have a future on Sundays and not only that, but he, he's a, he's a leader. He's, he's a great kid. He's a great interview. And uh, he's really been a uh, stalwart of the program the last few years with a three-year starter. And uh, you know, he's really a, a playmaker for the cats defense. In your opinion, where could Northwestern give Wisconsin some fits on Saturday morning? But also, what could the Badgers do against the Wildcats that could lead to an, a victory for Paul Christ and his crew this weekend? Yeah, I think, you know, Northwestern is pretty good at stopping the run. You know, like I said, the strength is their front seven. And you got, uh, you know, guys like Joe Gaziano. And then there's Patty Fisher, middle linebacker, who's a, a tackling machine and really one of the, the best linebackers in the Big Ten, if not the country. Um, so I think, you know, you look at that game last year up here in Evanston and Northwestern was able to contain that running game, and um, really put Wisconsin in a bind and Northwestern ended up winning by two touchdowns. Um, so that's what I think, you know, that's, it's always their, their top priority is to take away the running game. And especially on Saturday, you know, everybody knows Jonathan Taylor and Wisconsin, they're going to want to pound the ball and They've been so successful at it, but that's what Northwestern is going to come out and focus on, try to make Jack Cohen beat them through the air, um, you know, and then, you know, Northwestern will typically play like a cover four and they keep everything in front of them, tackle and, you know, make you snap the ball 10, 12 times if you're going to score, you know, that's kind of the way they play defense. It's kind of a bend, but don't break. So I, I think the defense may have success, some success containing Taylor 
and forcing Cohen to make plays. And I think they could keep him in the game. I, you know, where the problem is going to be is on the offensive end. Um, you know, I just, they can, they may be able to run the ball a little bit, but you know, when you can't throw the ball, you know, safeties drop back closer to the line of scrimmage and Wisconsin's going to have eight in the box. It's going to be awfully tough to run the ball and, you know, things compound. So I think, uh, you know, if Hunter Johnson can make some plays, especially early, if he can make a couple plays over the top and stretch the defense a little bit, maybe they can move the ball. Uh, but at this point, I just don't know, you know, after watching this offense, uh, for three weeks, you know, they're, they're two games against power five teams, Stanford and Michigan state, you know, they've scored 17 points and, and their last touchdown last week against Michigan state was in garbage time, you know, so they've really struggled and I just don't see how they can score enough to win. I think the defense can keep them in the game possibly, but uh, I don't know if they can score enough points to win the game. That leads me into my final question, game prediction. What's the score you have for Saturday's matchup between two Big Ten West Division programs. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, on top of everything, working against Northwestern here, they're going to Camp Randall Stadium. You know, Michi- you know Michigan just had a, a disastrous day up there. Pat Fitzgerald's lost four of five up in Madison. The, the last win was in 2015 there. But at the same time, Northwestern has been pretty darn tough on road. They were 5-0 and oh, uh, in road games last year, and, I think they've won eight Big Ten road games in a row, so they're shooting for their ninth. So they're they kind of brings out their best. They they like that us against the world mentality. But like I said, I think um, the defense will keep them in the game. Um, I just don't think the offense uh, can score unless they get a whole lot of help from Wisconsin. If Wisconsin puts it on the ground a few times and things like that, they might be able to stay in the game. But so I think the defense keep them in it for a while, but eventually, you know, the Badgers will wear them down. And I think uh, Wisconsin will win the game, you know, somewhere around 30 to 10 or 30 to 13, you know, something like that. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if they'll cover the point spread, but uh, they'll have a pretty comfortable win, I think. Louie, it's great talking with you for the first time since I just started at Badger Blitz a few months ago. Great talking to you over the badgerblitz.com line and looking forward to talking down the road and thanks again for your time yeah thanks a lot jake i appreciate it uh, enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to saturday's game folks that's louis vacare from wildcat report make sure you follow wildcat report for more northwestern news on the rivals network before we go to a break we're going to play our conversation with Wisconsin tight end Cormac Sampson about his various roles, transitioning to the offensive line before this season, and then heading back to the tight end room and his role in 2019. Here he is on the badgerblitz.com podcast powered by overtime media. We are here with Cormac Sampson, redshirt freshman. We've seen you, I think what at center at tackle and tight end. How are you adjusting to just so many roles from the spring through fall camp and now? Um, I think, well, knowing center, you kind of know where everybody has to be going. So by knowing that, it kind of makes things easier. Like just going down to the tight end, like if I know like where the center's pointing, then I know what to do because I know where the lineman's going to be going. When you learn center, when did you start learning center for that matter? And, and like you said, when you have that ability to yeah, you know, know that you know when you have to learn everything. Like, how fast did it take to pick up? 
I probably started uh, doing center reps like second week of fall camp. Um, and it, it took me a little bit of a while to get there, but you know, just having the help of like the guards kind of helped me, okay, well, the point should be going here and this is what you should be doing. Just, it didn't really take super long, but it still is, it's still a little bit tricky. During the games, we've seen you at, is it essentially an, an extra tight end or extra mm -hmm. lineman or, or blocking tight end? We've seen you at number 85, we've seen you at number 96, we've seen mm -hmm. you at number obviously 67, which is the main number. How many jerseys do your parents have at home of you? Um, I don't know the exact amount. I think they're going to wait until there's a final <laughs> solid number that will hopefully be for a longer period of time before they invest in that. But, I mean, they did. They'd have at least four. <laughs> How does it – you mean, working as a – do you view yourself as a tight end in that type of role then when you're on the field where – I mean, we've seen yeah, like the, uh, sort of a two tight end set with you and Jake Ferguson, but do you view yourself as an extra tight end or, or as a tight end or is it more just an extra lineman in that type of role? Uh, definitely like blocking tight end. I mean, they have me on doing some things where like a lineman wouldn't like go out to like block a safety or something. So I would say just the blocking tight end would be the role that I have. How much time do you spend in the in Joe Rudolph's room as an offensive lineman, and how much are you with Mickey Turner in the tight ends room right now? Um, I've spent a lot of time like in fall camp with Rudolph, and then once kind of the season started, I'd spend more time with Coach Turner. But I still go back and forth between the two. How hard is that? I know you talked about you know center and you, you learn all the positions and whatnot, but how hard is that juggling what could be responsibilities on the offensive line with what your assignments may be depending upon the opponent and the game plan as a potential tight end? Um, you know, it's a little bit more stressful, but I take pride in being like smart enough to realize, okay, if I'm center, I need to be doing this stuff. Being tight end, I need to do this stuff. So it, it's, it's stressful, but it's not, it's not horrible. Uh, with... How's your weight then? I know that you started gaming as a lineman. You're gaining weight, but have you dropped weight at all as a in that blocking tight end role? Are you maintaining? How how are you trying to maintain diet with what your role potentially may be too? Yeah. So when fall camp started, I was up to around 280 um, when I was playing, uh, doing the center and tackle stuff, and then now as a tight end, like, I'm just down to 275 and just maintaining that. I think that's a good weight for me right now. How hard? Like how many calories do you have to eat to maintain? I've heard like Isaiah Green may have 4,300 per day to maintain his stuff, but how much do you have to take in to, to maintain a weight or even, you know, maybe depending on what happens next year, mm -hmm. trying to gain more weight? Um, you know, definitely try to hit the, the 4,000 mark throughout the day. Um, but, you know, once I find out if I need to be like gaining more, we'll probably I'll meet with my nutritionist and see if we need to bump that up or if I just need to eat different foods because a lot of the time it's not just how many calories you eat, but it's like what you're putting in that the calories come from. What led to the position change initially in like spring ball where we saw you, I think you were initially at what, tight end mm -hmm. and then or in your freshman year and then you went over to become an offensive lineman. What led to that change then? Um, injuries on the team, definitely. Uh, Colvin and, and Tyler Biotish, they weren't doing spring ball reps, but they, they needed an extra um, lineman. And I think Rudy, Coach Rudolph liked my blocking technique as a tight end. So he's like, ah, they'll put that, put that kid on the line. He'll do well. And then now, I mean, there's so many tight end injuries that I think they're just like, okay, this kid has been playing it for a year, so he should be able to get back into the swing of things with tight end. Do you foresee yourself then for most of the rest of the season, depending upon game plans, depending upon opponents, mm -hmm. staying more with the tight ends, do you think? I think so. Yeah, it's um, it, like as you said, it's it's a game plan thing. But I would I would see myself mainly playing the tight end position since we have every, all the linemen back now. We are back from the break here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. Senior writer Jake Kokorowski, editor 
recruiting analyst John McNamara here live. So if you're wondering why the audio quality might be a little different, it is because of the fact we are recording live. So we are doing our very best to replicate what we do normally uh, through our online Vivid Seats studio. So let's get to the game, just keys to the game, and we'll do our over-under predictions now before we kind of talk about where we'll be if the rain holds off tomorrow night on Friday for some high school football. But, of course, again, 11 o'clock, ABC. Wisconsin favored by a lot. But there's an updated injury report that was released on Thursday morning by Wisconsin. Safety Madison Cone. We talked, you know, we haven't talked about the ejections yet. I think we might have on earlier this week in the podcast, but Eric Burrell, Reggie Pearson will sit the first half due to those targeting penalties that were assessed in the third quarter. Same drive against the Wolverines. You'll see Colin Wilder. You'll see likely walk-ons Tyler Mace, John Torchio. But we'll see what happens with Madison Cohn, who has a left leg injury. But maybe the bigger news, after being questionable in the preliminary injury report, John, Bryson Williams, nose tackle, will miss his third straight game with that left leg injury that Wisconsin called out there. But also a new one that wasn't on the list on Monday, Leo Chanel, inside linebacker, true freshman in the rotation that for Bob Bostad's position group, mostly a second teamer, but he's worked in and had a lot of tackles. How does the injury to Chanel, how does that impact what Wisconsin could do defensively against Wildcats offense, which isn't necessarily great, as we'll detail in just a couple of minutes, but it still could affect the rotation and what Jim Leonard and Bob Bostead want to do. Yeah, you know, I, going into uh, this season, I think we talked about them feeling good about most likely four inside linebackers uh, from that group, and then obviously you take one away. That's twenty five percent of the you know the guys that you feel good about. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think it means you're going to see a lot of Chris Orr. Um, and obviously a lot of Jack Sanborn, you know, that makes sense because they're starters, but, you know, maybe they have to play, you know, deeper into this game than maybe you anticipated. Uh, Mascalunas is the next guy up, and I think the staff feels real good about him. Beyond that, though, you know, we were talking about this, Jake, uh, you know, do they play a true freshman there who, who you've talked about before, or do they play a, a guy who transferred in? Uh, Travis Wiltshire. Travis Wiltshire. It'll be interesting to, to, to see how they, they go about that. You know, obviously you'd like to be at full strength across the board, but, you know, it's college football. You know, all these teams are, are going to get banged up at some point. Um, it's just going to be how you respond to that. Uh, obviously you have a great one-two punch with Sanborn and Orr, but, you know, beyond that, you know, does Mascalunas play a lot, and do they go beyond Mascalunas then on Saturday? Right, and you talk about the true freshman, Muma Jungmeta, who during fall camp, for that matter, Worked in with Mascalunas and Chanel at times, kind of switching off in a tandem. So he's almost like a third-team inside linebacker, but with having Mascalunas and Chanel, or one of the two, beside him there. I think Chanel's absence will also be felt on special teams, where he's on these key special teams units. Uh, often, I know, I think it's one of the units, I think it's kickoff coverage, I saw that both him and his brother John were lined up right next to each other. So I think that's one a punt, uh, punt return as well from what I saw uh, the past few games, too. So I think it's not just the defense. It's going to be special teams and uh, how Wisconsin compensates we'll see going forward on Saturday morning. But uh, after that injury report, let's get to the keys of the game. And, uh, again, Northwestern's 1-2. and two. They're 0-1 in the Big Ten. John, let's go with your first offensive key to the game. What does Wisconsin need to do 
on that side of the ball to be successful against the Wildcats coming up this weekend? You know, it's it's to get off to a quick start and do what you've done for for three weeks now. Um, you know, the offenses look very good. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor helps that. You know, you, you hope that he's kind of at full strength after, you know, having some some cramps against Michigan. Um, you know, there's no he's not on the injury report. There's no indication that that's going to carry over to, to the week against Northwestern. But, you know, I just think in general – um, you want to get off to a quick start. You don't want to have Northwestern hang around. You know, this is a team that's won football games. Uh, this is a team that's beaten Wisconsin. So a lot of these guys uh, on this roster, you know, are, are have beat Wisconsin. So you know, they're they're hungry for this win. They need this win if if they still want to accomplish some of the goals that they had. You know, when we were down in Chicago during the Big Ten media days, you know, Pat Fitzgerald felt like this team wasn't getting enough, you know, national attention. But he was used to it. But he also felt like this team could con- can can could compete for, for a spot in the Big Ten title game coming from the West. So, um, you know, that's not completely off the table. A win against Wisconsin would certainly get them back on track. So, I mean, this is a huge game for them, and this is a game where I think Wisconsin just needs to get out to a quick start um, and, and kind of put, you know, the, the pedal on the throttle there, and I think they can kind of easily cruise past Northwestern. But if they allow them to hang around, I mean, this could be a four-quarter game. Right, and Brian Mason, one of the athletic communication directors, tweeted out during the game on Saturday against Michigan that Wisconsin scored on all three of their opening drives to start the season, and all of them were Jonathan Taylor runs. So uh, my key would be, I think it's going to be on Jack Cohn. And the first two seasons that Jonathan Taylor has played against Northwestern, he had his freshman campaign, I think it was um, two touchdowns rushing, but averaged just about just over four yards per carry. Uh, last year in the loss at, in Evanston, only 40-some-odd yards on 11 carries. Again, just four yards per carry. Didn't really utilize them that much in that regard, mostly because Wisconsin was down. But really, I think Jack Cohn, if they're going to zero in on Jonathan Taylor, I think Jack Cohn will need to do what he did against Michigan. And not as, you know, and I'm not saying being a game manager at all, but you know, he made some key throws where they went and counted the fourth and three throw to Quintez Cephas for 26 yards. That was probably one of the nicest throws I've seen him make in his college career, if not the best one, I think, just because of where the placement was and where the down and distance was there. He also beat people with his feet, with the this fourth yard scamper, but also uh, the 25-yard touchdown run, the scramble there. So I think Cone, again, will need to have his number be called, and he'll need to answer that call for Wisconsin to be successful there. Let's go through Northwestern's offense. Louis mentioned just how bad the, the offense has been this year, even with a former five-star signal caller in Hunter Johnson. They're one of them among the worst when it comes to scoring offense, passing the ball, dead last in team passing efficiency. They've thrown six interceptions. They've coughed up the ball twice. So they have eight turnovers, which Wisconsin defenders should have their ears perked up for that. What is your key to the game for Wisconsin on that defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, just hearing all that and obviously, you know, knowing that going into to talking today, it's just it's surprising because, I mean, that's a Northwestern offense that, that gives teams trouble and for them to struggle so mightily to start the season, you know, you wonder if, if this is the, the week that they break out. And you mentioned Hunter Johnson and being a heavily recruited guy, and, uh, you know, that, that might be a good example that, you know, just because you're a five-star guy in high school – it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate uh, into the college world. So, um, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, get off to a quick start. But, um, you know, can, can they, you know, manage to get through a game without their 
top three safeties. Um, you know, if you put Scott Nelson in the mix there, you know, what is Northwestern going to do uh, to try to attack the back end uh, of Jim Leonard's defense? Uh, you know, you have Colin Wilder that you probably feel pretty good about, but, you know, if Madison Cohn's not ready to go, you would imagine that they're going to really try to exploit that in their game plan. So, you know, can Wisconsin scheme something up where, you know, they're ready for that? Uh, you know, do they put more cornerbacks on the field? You know, do you only see one safety on the field? That's my thing. I'm, I'm curious to see what Jim Leonard draws up, at least for the first half, to kind of maybe get through uh, Wisconsin being without, uh, you know, obviously it's two starting safeties this week against Northwestern. My, my key really, SOS, uh, same old stuff, I'll say for this PG version of it, uh, compared to what I used to say, what we used to say in high school football, whenever our our coaches got mad at us and just you didn't really recognize the call, they would say SOS, so same old stuff. Uh, I think it's the same old stuff that they've done so far this season. Create pressure when needed. Zach Bond will need to step up. You've seen just how they've stuffed the run, and, and you hear about the Northwestern running game. You know Drake Anderson. A Northwestern legacy is averaging five yards a carry, has about 237 yards with a couple of scores. That's really the one thing that's been good on Northwestern's offense. So, once again, Wisconsin having that ability to lock down the rushing game, which they've done all year, and they're first in the nation in terms of the yards allowed. I think Wisconsin has an opportunity to, to do it again, make Northwestern beat them through the air, and you've seen that they've – Outside of a couple of quarter, outside of a couple of drives, I should say, against Michigan, they've done so. So same old stuff on my end, uh, and I think Wisconsin gets the job done. Before we get into the actual game predictions, let's do some over under talk. Over under Jack Cohn, one point five touchdown passes. Who's making these questions again? Is it Jay Suddy doing no, these again? Actually, me. Oh, okay, well, I think his are better probably. Probably. <laughs> um, well, I think you look at that right away and you say, oh, for sure, over. But, you know, is this a game where Taylor gets the end zone three times and Nakia Watson finds the end zone one time and then Jake Ferguson catches one touchdown pass? You know, so, I, you know, I, I think it's a little tricky there. I, I guess I'll go over, but I think it's closer than you may think. I'll go, I'll go over. I think they hit some things. I think it's not going to be just the wide receivers. I think it might be more tight ends, too. Uh, I know Cormac Sampson, he said he's more of a blocking tight end, but there was one snap. I remember him and Jake Ferguson both going out for a pass, so I think that Wisconsin's been setting something up. That's just a speculation on my end, but I think you could see a big man touchdown, if you will, uh, down the, at some point this season. That's just my hunch. Um, or maybe a Kendrick Pryor uh, little end-around action, little jet sweep. For, to, for a touchdown. That's what I predict this week. Next one, Jonathan Taylor, 149.5 rushing yards over under because Northwestern gives up about 150 yards on the ground to its opponents. Well, that's another one that you look at and you say over for sure. I think if, if he goes in and the cramps are an issue, then this is a for sure over. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to say that, oh, you know, they're, they're making it a point to put up big numbers so he's in the conversation for Heisman, but I, I think that that kind of also naturally happens. But you know they're they're going to get him in the end zone when they when they're able to. So I think he goes over 150. Um, and if you're a Wisconsin fan, you probably hope that you don't see much of him in the second half, though. I'm actually going to go under on rushing yards. I think he'll have some passing yardage. So I'll say maybe around 140, 145 yards. But then I think he has another 30 to 40 yards 
through the air and uh, in the passing game and makes a mark there. Next one, Northwestern averages 15.7 points per game. Over-under, they score, over-under is for Northwestern, 1.5 touchdowns. Do they score more than one against this defense that has allowed just 14 points in three games? I do. I I think that Northwestern, you know, shows a bit more than what they've shown, you know, to start the season. Obviously, they've struggled, and, you know, we've kind of had a laundry list of where they they stack up to start the season. I don't necessarily think they completely break out of their funk, but, um, you know, they've always given Wisconsin fits. Um, I, I you know, no pun intended on their head coach. Um, I, I think I think they do, um, but again, I think this is a game that Wisconsin kind of controls start to finish, but I think they get in the end zone uh, definitely at least twice. I'm going to go under. I think Wisconsin holds I think it might be – I think I predicted 34-10 uh, for Louis Vicar's – for Wildcat Report's Q&A there. I think even despite the d- defensive secondary missing two starting safeties – I'm not sold on that passing game. That's one among the worst in the nation. And I think Wisconsin stuffs the run just enough. Uh, I'll say one touchdown. I think they get 10 points, 10 or 13 points off a couple of field goals, if that. But staying with Wisconsin defense, we talked about the turnovers that have been created by Northwestern in terms of just what they've given away. So they've coughed up the ball eight times, six interceptions, two fumble recoveries, over under on the number of turnovers created by Wisconsin. I'll say we'll go. We'll keep with this. One point five. You going under? I'm going under. I'm gonna stay over. I think they. I think they had Wisconsin had four turnovers against Michigan. Create or they created four turnovers against Michigan. I'll go. I'll go over. I think they get three. Uh, I think hundred something about Hunter Johnson. I, I he's thrown four interceptions already in these three games, and I think they just, they pressure him. I think he's still uncomfortable. Game predictions. Who do you have, John? Uh, in a shocker, I'll go with Wisconsin. I'm, I'm going to go with the Badgers here. Um, you know, something like 38 to 17 makes sense to me. That might be closer than some anticipate, but again, I, I think that you know Northwestern. I mean, the, if they're going to do something this year, this is when it has to be. Um, I think that you know they'll have opportunities against Wisconsin's defense at least in the first half. So hey, if you can scheme something up to to maybe isolate those safeties, and again, it's going to depend on what Jim Leonard throws at them. But um, I think they'll have opportunities to move the football uh, in in the first half as Wisconsin maybe just kind of gets its feet wet with with two new guys in the back end. But uh, Wisconsin's just better across the board, I think, in all phases of the game. Uh, so yeah, I said thirty eight to seventeen. I'll go 34-10, like I mentioned earlier. I think Wisconsin gets the job done, both sides of the ball. And for sure, uh, against I think the Badgers defense, even without two starting safeties for one half, dominate uh, defensively and take care of business and make Northwestern try to beat them through the air. And I don't think Bennett Skor- um, Skoronek uh, can do too much uh, against some of the starting defensive backs for Wisconsin. So before we let everybody go here, John, where are you going to be, hopefully, this weekend coming up for some high school football? I know I'll be down at Madison Memorial, hopefully, if the rain holds off, to watch 2021 commit Jackson Acker against Madison Memorial. But who do you have, or who are you going to try to see if the weather holds up? Yeah, I'm thinking J.P. Benshaw. Uh, it might be my time to get out to see him play. I also have been looking at Joe Brunner after picking up that offer from Wisconsin. Uh, most likely Benshaw, but I always like to keep it interesting right up until 
I tell my wife what city I'm headed to on Friday night. So uh, I don't like to lock myself in anything. So I'll I'll keep both of those on the table and, you know, maybe something will pop up later. So I'm going to keep you guys on your toes. And now wrapping up this edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. Thank you all again for making this podcast great. We appreciate all the feedback. We'll get into how you can do that and for the reviews in just a bit. But before we do that, John, BadgerBlitz.com with the hot start Wisconsin has, we got a pretty good deal for people not a part of the Rivals community, a part of the Rivals network to get in on the fun uh, and to get some some free swag too, right from that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, stuff for you to wear on game day, stuff to wear to uh, to your Badger parties, you know, wherever you want to go. You wear it to work if you'd like to. Uh, so, yeah, get your first year for just $50 and get free Badger gear as well. Uh, you know, we're running that, I think, until the 29th. So, I mean, supplies are limited. Uh, a lot of these sales have already went through. Um, so we're seeing some pretty good success from it. So, you know, don't miss your opportunity. Uh, every now and then, Rivals kind of opens up its fan shop, and we have some really awesome gear in there. So, that, I mean, this is certainly your opportunity to do that. Uh, with the promo code WISCO5050, that is W-I-S-C-O-5050, um, you can hit up the front page. I've been putting those, that banner into, you know, all of our content, both free and premium uh, you know, something's on Twitter as well. Something's on our Facebook page. So, you know, make sure if, if you've been thinking about a time that you want to join badgerblitz.com, you've been thinking about a time where you really want to follow this program inside and out, you know, both, you know, inside Camp Randall Stadium and on the recruiting front, this is your opportunity to do it. You know, Jake and I have talked about this being a special season potentially. I mean, if you, if you want to get the inside coverage on a potentially special season, uh, jump on this offer. It's a great time to do it. Hit me up if you have any questions. Hit Jacob if you have any questions about that. But, uh, it's, you know, I guess the supplies are limited. I think we're going to cut this on the 29th. So if, you, if you're interested, uh, either follow through with that or hit me up with, with any questions you have. Absolutely. And, again, with that subscription, you get not just access to the BadgerBlitz.com premium content, the premium articles and features that we regularly publish on a weekly basis, but you get Throughout the entire Rivals Network, any Rivals story that is pre- that is premium in terms of content that is subscriber-only, you get that as well. And then in terms of message boards, you get access to the Badgers Den. John is on there frequently. Two weeks ago, he's already talking about Northwestern Wisconsin visitors for this upcoming weekend too. So get in on that. You get some great stuff. Come be a part of the Rivals.com and the BadgerBlitz.com community. I can promise you, you won't regret it there. Also, for anybody that's looking for looking for possible marketing on badgerblitz.com with the site to let John and I know you can find John on rivals at McNamara rivals me at Jay Coco. Are you a small local brewery? Are you uh, a local shop? Are you, are you trying to build up your clientele and feel that advertising on badgerblitz.com would be good for you? Let us know as well. Feel free again to contact John or I through Twitter, through our DMS. They're open. Let us know uh, how we could help you there for this show. Of course, you guys can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn. Feel free to leave us some reviews because we want this to be the most Badger-centric, the best Wisconsin podcast out there. And so we love five-star reviews. Why? It helps us continue to build the brand of the BadgerBlitz.com community. But please be genuine, too. Let us know how we can make this the best site, the best podcast out there uh, and we appreciate you all there and of course you can find as i mentioned earlier john at mac 
McNamara Rivals on Twitter, me at JakeCoco, K-O-C-O, and of course, the official Badger Blitz Twitter account at Badger underscore Blitz, and then Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers on BadgerBlitz.com, and then BadgerBlitz.com and Wisconsin.Rivals.com is the main site. So, John, anything else before we take it home and uh, I make my way back to Madison? No, you know, I just want to reinforce what you're talking about. We have, uh, you know, we're kind of talked about some different avenues of, of what we want to do with the site, and advertising is is huge. Uh, we, you know, if you're a local brewery, if you're a local business in Madison, we'd love to support uh, a lot of whatever's local. So um, if there's an opportunity that makes sense, please let us know, and uh, we could hopefully make something work. We'll come back on Sunday. We'll do another podcast, recap Wisconsin Northwestern. We'll talk if there are any recruiting news that could come from this weekend's visitors or just recruiting news in general. We'll have that and hopefully a post-game interview or two. So tune in later, just about two, three days from now, here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.